Cotter Bicknell, and you're listening to How to Lead, where world-class leaders share their stories and best practices that you can implement now on your journey to leadership. My guest in this episode is Brooklyn Nash. Brooklyn is the head of content at Sales Hacker, one of the leading communities for today's top salespeople. In addition to that, Brooklyn advises other notable B2B organizations with their content marketing strategies as well, like Metadata, Bizabo, and Swipely, just to name a few. We dive deep into best practices for getting started freelancing, the best companies and resources to look up to to uplevel your own writing, and the difference between when you want to niche down or go broad with your career. Lots of great stuff in this episode, so without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Brooklyn Nash. What are the pros and cons of freelancing? Like a good marketer, I'm going to say it depends on like where you're at in life, what your situation is, what your goals are. But in general, I feel like the pros and cons are almost always flip sides of the same coin. So, okay, a pro gives you lots of flexibility, right? The con there is you have to be your own boss, which is actually a lot harder than it sounds. Like you have to be self-directing. Sometimes you can be too hard on yourself, more harder than, you know, an actual boss would be. And then with that flexibility comes the temptation to always take on more, which then you're actually less flexible than you would be in a full-time gig. So that's one flip side. Another would, a pro would be, you get to be laser focused on something that you love. If you're a designer, you get to spend almost all of your time on design with some of the, the, the paperwork and the processes and sales on the side, but most of your time on design, right? If you're a writer, you could spend all your time on writing. But the flip side is your time money to some directly to something that you love doing, which is a great recipe for burnout in a very short amount of time. <laughs> so that's the, that's the flip side, right? Yeah. And then the last is, I mean, you are, if you are in a good niche, develop your skills, you can quickly surpass what you'd be able to make with a salary. But then the flip side too, is that it's a lot, becomes a lot harder to say no to projects, which again is a a recipe for burnout. I think any freelancer has gone through a season, even if it was just in the early years of feast or famine, where you have a ton of projects and then have difficulty finding projects. So even 10 years later, I've seen this conversation from freelancers who have decades of experience and are making probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's still hard for them to say no to projects because it's difficult to get over that mindset. So Mm. I love freelancing. I think there's tons and tons of benefits, but almost every benefit has a direct downside and you just need to be aware of of that trade-off. As I mentioned, you are leading the content at Sales Hacker. When you're freelancing, obviously you're you're doing all the writing yourself. So are you doing a lot of the same nitty gritty work in your role at Sales Hacker or are you more on the strategy side? That second part of what you said. Okay, gotcha. We had a small but mighty, really stellar content team at Sales Hacker. So a lot of my time is spent on either the high level with contributors and partners getting into what topics do we want to tackle? What angles do we take? Here's a draft. we we'll take a quick look to, to see where we can rearrange what's missing. Or if I'm in the weeds, it's on more of the strategy side. What, what are the SEO opportunities we want to be going after? What are our opportunities for doing some unique research? Those types of questions. But yeah, we have a great team in Rebecca, our editor, Savannah, our specialist, Sam, our producer, uh, and now Tahara is one of our contract writers who, who 
fills in the gaps when contributors aren't able to speak to a specific topic. How does your communication style differ between those two roles? Yeah, it is a little bit different. There's overlap. I mean, even at Sales Hacker, when I'm working with partners, I'm working largely with marketing coordinators and marketing directors as they figure out how we want to tell that story. Um, but otherwise, we're working with contributors and community members who are, for the most part, either sales or sales adjacent, part of the go-to-market revenue mm -hmm. work. And in my freelancing business with my wife, we don't typically work directly with salespeople. We're working with VP of product marketing, in other cases, it's a director of marketing. In some cases, it's, specific, it's a content marketing manager. It's kind of all over the map, depending on what their needs are and where they're at as a company. Got it. Hey, I didn't know that you, you're freelancing a uh, company that you did with your wife. That's really cool. Let's dig into that really quick. Yeah, that's, I can't take even most of the credit for the business. It's her and I running it together, Becca and I. Um, we're still figuring that out, to be honest. That's still a work in progress. But currently, I will handle all client communication, put the projects together, and she focuses a lot on execution. So she, she's a fantastic writer, a great editor. Um, so she focuses a lot on once we have a project up and running, um, making sure that we make that consistent down the line. Um, nice. So that's our current, that's our current breakdown. We, we have one freelancer that we work with, so she, she'll edit with them. Um, we had a brief period last year where we were looking to start to scale and then COVID hit. And I mean, thankfully it hasn't affected our, our client base or the opportunity for work, but it, like most it, uh, or any other parents, it's affected our schedules and what we're able to do. So we're hitting pause on that for the foreseeable future, but we'll want to get back to that down the line. And then were you freelancing just personally for a while? And then you decided to join forces with your wife for kind of this new venture? Yeah, I've been freelancing for almost eight years. And initially it was like, quote unquote, just freelancing compared to, I don't know, something like content marketing or consulting. It was, here's a very detailed brief. You're the freelance writer. You can go out and execute on it. But the last few years, it's morphed more into coming in as a partner to companies. Um, there's a handful of clients where they still will have those briefs and it's us being just the, the expert writers, but often it's coming in and weighing in on where the opportunities are for growth in SEO, weighing in on which stories we should be telling, how to craft customer stories and take, so almost building the strategy or helping clients build the strategy and running and executing. And the reason we made that shift is we, I mean, I'll try to make the long story short, but we actually moved we're in Guatemala. We moved here to work with a nonprofit seven years, almost seven years ago. So I was still freelancing on the side, mostly to just pay our way, keep paying off student loans, all that mm -hmm. good stuff. And we stepped back from the nonprofit world three years ago. And that's when we really doubled down on going from freelance writer to content marketing. Um, and that's when Becca and I started working more closely together and then figuring out where, where which pieces she could take on. How would you recommend that somebody goes and starts freelancing? Like what tools would you recommend they use? What kind of vision would you, uh, would you say that they would need to have in order to be successful? I'm really curious because especially it seems like you've had, you know, two starts. You've had one start as like, you know, the nitty gritty, you're writing all the content, you're in the weeds. And then there's the second portion of your freelance career where you've really been speaking directly with the clients about their strategy 
I'm curious, how would you recommend someone else setting themselves up for success if they wanted to start out as a freelancer? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's a hard one, again, to answer like across the board. I think number one, I'd say, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here with my fingers. Starting as a freelancer means different things. If you're an experienced marketer with you know, eight years full-time roles in B2B tech, for example, or you're a freelance writer who doesn't really want to go down the career route and is looking at kind of starting from scratch where maybe you're a little younger, you haven't had that, that marketing experience uh, or design experience or, or what have you. And those are two different things. I think if you're an experienced marketer looking to get into freelancing, I'd say just start small and start simply. You don't need like the whole portfolio and the pricing packages and this great website and copy, you can just kind of leverage your network, find Mm -hmm. one contract for, you know, one $2,000 a month contract, start there, feel it out and see how you like it and build from there. And then you can add in the tools like the, the accounting and getting your business entity set up, but to start writing and start making money or not writing, to start freelancing, start making money. You don't, need all those pieces in place first if you're on the other end and you're looking to um, you know almost avoid this traditional career path and go whole hog on freelancing from an earlier start so the typical advice is to niche down which i totally back like niche down on something specific where you become an expert on an area with a specific type of company and a specific type of audience and a specific type of technology or service product right but if you're starting, I honestly recommend not doing that too soon. I landed EV Tech kind of by actually 100% by mistake. We early on, I had I was writing for a luxury watch brand, I was writing product descriptions, I was doing editing for uh, what was it? Just like all kinds of random projects, and then slowly over time, the projects I enjoyed most, and honestly, the projects that paid the best were, were in B2B tech. So I slowly over time niched down there. And now I think for the most part, figuring out how to niche down even more specifically into, into either MarTech or sales tech. And that works well, but I didn't do that for the first almost five years. And I think that helped because then I got a broad exposure to e-commerce, uh, to partnerships, to B2C as well as B2B. And I think that helped kind of give me a broader understanding for how all these pieces fit together, even though now I'm mm-hmm. in a big niche. So, Yeah. And I actually love what you just kind of touched on there, which was how you, you didn't niche down right away. You spent time kind of exploring a lot of different topics. And then you ultimately found out the thing that it sounds like you enjoy the most and it ended up paying you the most. And it actually reminds me of um, Cal Newport, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And in it, he talks about how the way that you find success in life is pretty much, you know, you, you I mean, as the title says, you, you become so good at what you're known for that people can't ignore you. And the best way of doing that, he talks about, is just approaching a lot of different things, trying a lot of things out. And then over time, people will end up telling you just kind of, different comments like, hey, you're really good at this, or you, you'll you also just innately find joy doing a specific thing. And when you like doing a thing, then you're going to just naturally get better and better. And so I'm seeing a lot of ties between what you're saying 
in what is mentioned in that book. And I've, I've honestly been seeing a little bit of the same thing in my career and I'm mm. not even a freelancer. And so this is kind of some cool, there's some cool ties here. Even if you're not a freelancer, you could use some of these principles that you're talking about here in your own career where, you know, you can try out different things and then naturally you're going to gravitate more towards the things that you're naturally good at. And yeah, I think that at that point you can kind of double down, niche down, as you said, and you can actually find the thing that you're really, really good at. It's, you know, I think that people usually, they have, especially early in their career, they're really concerned about finding that thing right away, but I think it usually just takes time. Definitely. That's totally it. Man, every time Cal Newport comes out with a new book, I'm like, I should read Cal Newport. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that, that book is one of my favorites. He's also super like anti-email, anti-social media. And I'm like not that far into uh in, into yeah. the weeds. I'm like, listen, I got I gotta use my email, man. I don't know what to tell you. I got it. I like my LinkedIn profile. I like Twitter. I'm not ready to ditch that stuff, but he has some good, he has some good stuff. He did, he did. Yeah. Cause his other book is Deep Work, right? Is that yeah, yeah. That's another really good one. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the other thing I want to touch on, and this is just something that I've noticed based on following you from Twitter. So you provide just a lot of really great resources for other freelancers that like just good things to good food for thought, different things that it sounds like you've learned in your career. I'm curious, what are some other leaders or content resources that you would recommend other folks look into if they want to get to the next step? in their content career potentially, or just in general, like leadership stuff? So I have three recommendations and they're actually companies versus individual folks. Um, number one for career, I'd say Superpath um, with Jimmy. I think it's daily, not Dally, but uh, with Jimmy. He was at Animals, a fantastic, which is actually another recommendation, <laughs> a fantastic content agency. And he started Superpath to support content marketers in their careers. And there's so many pieces he's pulling together there. He has some fantastic articles on like building your career. He has others on pricing things out as a freelancer. He has some on salary guides. And there's a job board there that I believe covers both full-time gigs and like contract freelancing. And then there's a Slack community associated with it. So definitely check out Superpath. You can join the community for free, I believe. And then they have kind of a pro version with some extra resources. But that has been, I mean, I save so much from what is coming out of Superpath right now. It's been fantastic. So career-wise, Superpath. It's just superpath.co. Looking at like, this is less freelancing in general and more content marketing specific, but just read anything and everything that Animals puts out. They're another content agency and they're just like dream status content, some of the stuff they put out. Number one, if there's, a, if there's an article that applies to you, like they talk about uh, crafting great headlines, for example, um, like figure out how you can map that to your own work. And even if there is an article that doesn't necessarily apply to what you're working on, just read through the article because their articles are fantastic. Like read through it and look for the things that make it a standout article. And I think your work will be become better as a result if you go into it with a pretty specific mindset of that. And again, this is less for freelancing in general and more for like freelance writers and, and content marketers. And then the last would be, they put out more thoughtful content less often, but Fenwick, uh, it's a, an agency started by Chris Jalepsi. 
they, yeah, they do it every couple of weeks. And the same thing as animals, like every piece of content they put out, you know how rare it is to read an article all the way through, not skimming. Two of the only, I do that with three or four publications and two of them are animals and Fenwick. I check out those two just to see what beautiful B2B writing looks like. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. it is possible. You don't have to be boring with B2B writing. You can make it beautiful and engaging. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and so the, the interesting thing that I'm noticing with those, those, those are all agencies, right? Yeah, well, Superbath isn't, but yeah, Animals and Fenway. Okay, got it. Who are, who are some good, just not non-agency B2B brands who are doing content really, really well, aside from sales hacker and outreach? <laughs> yeah. Nice caveat there. Uh, I'm going to say one that sounds like sounds cliche because they've been in it for so long but I it, honestly HubSpot still continues to mm. amaze me with how consistent they are with distribution specifically for their content the amount of times I think there's two or three different people I interact with there for things like link exchanges and guest post placements and things like that and they I mean they have this huge content moat but they they're putting in the work to maintain that with always updating and optimizing their articles, always looking for distribution opportunities um, and, and backlinks and things like that. So I think there's a big lesson to be learned there for, you might, I'm learning the lesson with Sales Hacker. I mean, there's tons of content on Sales Hacker. We have a ton of presence in search, but there's still a ton of opportunity for us to grow. And I think I'm learning for how HubSpot approaches partnerships and distribution uh, down to the specifics like backlinks. Um, other brands, I'm, well, this is, I'm working with metadata as a client now, but even before, I'm not saying that because it's my content, like even before I joined their approach to content was really fresh, which is why I was excited to join them. Um, so it's Mark and Jason right now on the marketing mm -hmm. side. And I think just their, their commitment to make it a lot less salesy and a lot less cliche and really make it super helpful uh, in the in any piece of content they put out whether it's an interview or a long form piece of content that made me really excited to work with, work with them uh yeah and then the other two in in sales and marketing would be gong and drift still like the classic yeah. examples of not just the content they're putting out but also their the way that they repurpose it and promote it is pretty stellar. Those nice. are hashtag goals. Awesome. Okay. So listeners, you got your four B2B tech examples there. We also have some agencies that you can check out. The last thing I want to touch on, and this is my favorite question, Brooklyn, tell me about one mistake that you made in your career and how you learned from it. In my, so in, in terms of freelancing, bringing it back to freelancing. Sure. I think the number one mistake I made was outsourcing work too soon. So this was a more than a year ago, less than a couple of years ago, got to the point where this was before I was working with Outreach and Sales Hacker and placed most of my emphasis there uh, and was trying to figure out how to scale, right? Um, and we got to the, I got to this point where I wanted to start outsourcing work, but I really didn't put in the initial work that I needed to, to make it up to standards, uh, sustainable, and a good idea for the client, not just a good idea for me. So, I mean, I turned around, it's probably one of the only times I've turned around 
honestly like kind of shoddy work because I, I spread myself too thin and was trying to outsource work before I was ready to do that. So I think I learned, I mean, we do, like I said, we do want to revisit it in a few years of scaling. Um, but I learned there's a huge difference between being a good writer and a good content marketer and building like a good content marketing business or a content marketing agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so it showed me all the pieces that I need to pull back and work on before we start outsourcing work like that for clients and then focusing on the strategy piece. There's, there's training pieces, there's timelines, there's uh, test projects, there's all kinds of things that I didn't have in place that I 100% should have. And I think I was just, it was too, it was premature to do it. And I didn't have the, honestly, like the, I don't want to say maturity, but like the career maturity to yeah. work on those pieces. So thankfully I've been learning those the last couple of years. And I, I look forward to trying that again, when I'm able to take the 5,000 foot view and put in the work to make sure that it's a great idea for our clients. Yeah, no, it seems like you're kind of like you mentioned, you're putting in that work right now in your role at Sales Hacker, and that's going to totally complement eventually scaling your freelance business as well. So it sounds like you're in a pretty good position. For now, and I'm just, I'm enjoying, like, I love our clients that we're working with, and I'm really enjoying putting most of my effort into outreach and growing the community and, and community content here. So I'm not worried about it for the time being. I'm just happy learning what I'm learning with where I'm at. Brooklyn, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. I really enjoyed the conversation. I know our listeners will too. Uh, I'm going to let you get back to the rest of your day, but again, appreciate your time. Thanks, Andy. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. If you're listening to this message, shoot me a note on LinkedIn and let me know what you thought. And be sure to follow this podcast so you can stay up to date on new episodes moving forward. See you next time.